Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Caraway. I'm Lisa Pace. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. みなさま、こんにちは。いつもアメイジンへようこそ。私はマイクルです。私たちの4番のメンバー。1年後スペシャルサイムに戻ってきました。久しぶり。いつもようにボビとマークとステファンはここにいる。今日は私たちは最新の
analyzing scalps. Eh, probably. Yeah, this is it, man. You, you only know Larkin. That's pretty decent. Yeah, You're at Hall, but well, I think the Leoto age factors in, and maybe that takes a little shine off. But yeah, no, I mean, definitely yeah. name value. This is the biggest. I mean, dude, dude held, held a belt, so that's yeah. all you really need to say. Um, and then it was just like I saw Leoto get knocked out, and I was like, thank you, Usada, for taking 18 man- months of this man's career away from him. Um, but uh, we had um. It kind of like nothing was really happening from what I saw, but then uh, Brunson threw this big looping overhand left that Machida just didn't see. And it got him and it clipped him and it got him down and then he was unconscious and then Derek Brunson hit him three more times, which I don't really blame him as much as the referee for that. Like, dude was out. Um, yeah, we... Uh, Derek Brunson, big win. Uh, Cormier kind of coaxed him into calling out Luke Rockhold, which... Yeah, okay. Sounds good enough for me. Um, Machida, we'll see where he goes from here. I don't think he's done. I hope not. I personally love watching Leo Machida fight. I think it's always interesting. Even though it ends up being a staring contest. Just that, I don't know, the fact that you can bait these people into that nonsense can be fun. Co-main event. Um, we are not going to be the people that give Colby Covington a whole bunch of attention. Because he's not good at this. Like, it's terrible. Wait, good at and- what? Like he's she's he's she's he's pulling a shitty. I, I think Kobe Covington is. It's a more of a stupid version of Chael Sonnen because Chael's end game was facing a Brazilian. Uh, Kobe Covington's end game is facing a black dude from Ferguson, Missouri. So him shitting on Brazil is not doing anything for me. Man, okay, just a couple notes about this dude. Let, One, let's also just not forget he he didn't he shit on Brazilians, but not in a funny way like Chael did. Okay, also like okay, I don't think what he said was honestly that bad, but. Beyond the point, there's a couple things. One, he's terrible at this. Like, just really, really bad at this. And the fact that we're all giving him attention just because we somehow are like, oh, well, he acts like this, and we're supposed to play our part and act outraged. No, we don't. We don't have to buy this. I don't. Nothing he did did anything to make it more. I don't want to see him get punched in the face any more than I did beforehand. All right? So there's that. Two, the Brazilian fans are maybe, I mean, I'm not. this is a generalization, of course, but a Brazilian crowd generally you hear the worst shit in MMA, which is a lot of people chanting you're going to die and a lot of people calling people faggots. So, and then they, like, I remember last time Damian and Maya fought in Brazil and two fans punched Matt Brown in the head on the way to the ring. So, I'm not sure coddling the Brazilian fans is really something that needs to happen. Three, um, again, shitty Chael Sonnen. One of the people that trains Colby Covington is Stevie Richards. And I hope Mark and Stefan are thinking, that's Stevie Richards? Yeah, that's Stevie Richards. All right. Big Stevie, Stevie Cool, Richard? the former professional wrestler Stevie Richards. Okay. Who, yeah. It's it's all this is all pro wrestling. He's doing a shitty pro wrestling gimmick. And it's it's he called someone he called people sweat hogs the other day, which is straight Rick Rude. Like straight 1986 Rick Rude. So there's that. Four. One time there's going to be the opposite of this happening. Where a foreigner is gonna come in. And shit on United States to try to get a bigger fight. And I just, when we're all here talking about how like, oh, this guy's just playing a character. And all these people who say that, the day comes when some Canadian, and Steph, I'm hoping it's a Canadian. Because we basically got like a Bret Hart in 97 situation where he's just shitting on America. And it's kind of funny because they're Canadians. When that happens one day and everybody, I really hope all these people who are okay with Colby Covington doing this is okay with the opposite happening to us. Of course not. Yeah, of course not. Of course not. There's a lot of double standards. Yeah. Is, uh, 
I don't even want to get into it. I could spiral into a million political commentaries and references, but let's just be honest. Everyone's a giant hypocrite. Yeah. And like, look, I get what he's doing. I don't think it's going well, but I don't know. I saw a bunch of crowd. I saw the crowd throw bottles at him after he said that shit. And I was like, oh shit, maybe people are eating it up. So he's not fighting Tyron Woodley left next. Okay. I'm not living in a world where this dude gets a title shot based on that. Now I didn't see the fight. Was it a exceedingly entertaining fight? Because I know I'm, I know Lyoto Machido's on the other side, so I'm gonna assume. No, this not. is against, and he did it again. This was against Maya. Oh crap! Yeah. So even so, probably not even better because I heard it was a stand-up match. Okay, let's put it this way: Damian Maya has has taken in terms of people who have all who are all Americans wrestling. Damian Maya's won for like fifty on takedown attempts, and the one was not this guy. So yeah, Damian Maya was on his feet. It didn't go well. And then Kobe Covington's not good on his feet, so he won. But here we are, um, Marcus. You got anything for this, or can we just? Or... Um, I mean, I I just saw highlights of the fight and analysis from it. And I mean, like, I don't, I I read what he said. I didn't hear what he said and the temperament that he said it. But I mean, yeah, he's just trying to pull people in any way he can, and he needs to because I mean, before this fight. It was like, who, who is this guy? Like, I vaguely kind of remember him. His skills don't necessarily stand out, which we saw in this fight. Um, I mean, what, what sucks about this card for me is that, you know, when we were breaking it down last week and no one heard, so I'm just basically yelling into a void. Like, when I break down a fight and you give the reasons why you think your guy's going to win and the downfall that the other guy might lose, like, I didn't pick either of these correctly at all. I thought Lyoto would gauge distance much better, not, a, not sit in the pocket long enough to get hit. And I thought if, if it's turned into a stand-up match with Damien and, and Colby, that Damien, I mean, we've seen him stiff jab people into getting, you know, boring decisions before. And I thought he'd be able to do that here. And he wasn't. I mean, Colby Covington made it kind of a dirty fight. He made him kind of brawl it out with him. And he was just better and had more energy with that. And um, it's unfortunate. And I understand why he's doing all the smack talking. And, you know, he's just trying to get his name out there. It, it's He's not good at it, apparently, which I'm not surprised at. I don't think a lot of these MMA guys really get into the game because like I got mad mic skills and I know how to, you know, taunt and, you know, kind of hold, you know, pull people's interest with the mic. No, they, they get in here because the dude's been wrestling his whole life. He needs to pivot his career into a sport that will allow him to make money with the skill set that he's, you know, basically built up from the ground when he was a child into adulthood. This is the only thing he really knows how to do. So he gets into MMA and now the, you know, the landscape of the marketplace has changed that you can't just be, you know, a top wrestler and learn how to strike. You have to be an entertainer. You have to get people interested in your fights. You have to sell pay-per-views. And he's trying to do that, albeit very poorly, but I understand why he's doing it. And, you know, and we can say like, oh, it's not working, but fuck, I've been hearing him. I've seen him in all the news articles a lot more than if he didn't probably say all this shit. Because if exactly. he didn't, all it would have been like, like, oh, Colby got kind of a boring win over Damian Maya. Maya's getting kind of old. He lost two fights in a row, a row. Maybe it's time for him to hang up, yada, yada, yada. He he kind of spun the argument not in a great way. Instead of it being like, oh, Damian Maya's um, maybe getting a little bit old. This guy's still an up-and-comer. Colby is. Um, he spun it to Colby is now a really hated person in Brazil. And people outside of Brazil just don't like his, his tenement and the way he presents himself. So, I mean, he's kind of pulling a heel like they would in pro wrestling, getting people to try to hate him. Which, I mean, it's one way to go about it. Um, and obviously, it's kind of a factor in the fight game now. You know, I think it kind of sucks. You know, five, ten years ago, it was all about what you can do in the octagon. But now it's about what you can do in there 
and how can you sell and promote yourself? And well, this mean, is how he's doing it. Well, I mean, we do. We, we appreciate theatrics. I mean, we all love a good entrance and a theatrics and stuff like it. But I don't want people to say shit they don't believe. That's all I'm asking, man. Like, I don't I want know you if he doesn't believe it, though. I also, he, okay, okay. I, okay, like, I want him to believe it. And I want... after, which I thought was funny. Because he, he like, Paul, oh, I'm sorry for all those, like, what did he say? Like, they're, like, filthy Brazilians or he said, something? No, he, said, he said filthy animals would made me think of Home Alone. When oh, the kids yeah, watching the movie, and he, I think said, he said uh, yeah. he apologizes to any filthy animal I offended. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty good. I, I thought that was I thought that was clever, and that's really I only read because how he says it could really deter. No, you know, I mean, how like, well it was. It, it was not like it was again. Like I don't know. I mean, there's like we're investigating what he said. Yo, Chael said such worse stuff. Like, he did, but we also know that stuff. he stole. Like we, I, I think a lot of people knew directly he was stealing that from. Yeah, this dude you know. stealing from fucking Rick Rude, man. This is like I guess Rick Rude's not popular enough. I, 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 think, I think at one point Chael said that uh, I'm going to go into your house, slap your wife on the ass, and make her make me a steak sam- uh, a steak rare. I, I don't know. The one that Chael said. That, the, no, there's a the one Chael said where he said, uh, I don't know why Anderson bows before his fights. Brazil doesn't have a bowing culture. You bow in Brazil. They need what they punch you in the face and steal your wallet and leave. <laughs> and I was just like, in my head, I was like, that's pretty funny. But like, that's far worse than what this dude said. <laughs> in, in defense of Chael, I'm pretty sure all of us saw those compilation videos of tourists in Rio during the Olympics just blatantly getting punched and then robbed of their wallets. Yeah, and um, if you haven't seen it, go on YouTube and watch it. There's uh, Anderson. Someone asked Anderson today, what, what about Colby Covington? And Anderson, I think, had the best response and just said, he's a clown that doesn't deserve your attention. That's my opinion. I mean, he wins. He deserves attention for that. Wasn't particularly interesting. But anyway, we already talked about this more than we probably needed to. Oh. Two big wins, though, man. The big just, win for Derek Brunson, big win for Kobe Covington. One more, thing, one more thing on Kobe Covington. Right. ATC co-founder Ricardo Liborio condemns Kobe Covington, announces departure from team. No, Liborio is not part of the team. Oh. Liborio apparently hasn't been a formerly a part of American Top Team for two years. I guess his daughter has got some sickness, and he had to move to Orlando, which is a ways away from Coconut Creek two years so, ago. So basically, that headline's bullshit. No, no, he, they finally stopped paying him. <laughs> oh. But he fi- they just never put it out there that he'd left until now. Um, all right. Um, the Mark Hunt UFC stuff still happening. And I don't know. I don't think anybody's particularly right or wrong. I kind of see both sides of it. But, I mean, they, they should probably just, let Mark, just cut Mark Hunt and let him leave. They're not going to. But that's what I think they should do. Everybody just wipe their hands of this whole thing and move on. Um. I think we should get into UFC 217 because, quite frankly, this thing is uh, loaded. And there's a lot of things we got to go through. And most of, and the thing that, I, Mark, I talked to you about this the last couple of weeks. I think in the office we talked about it at least once or twice. Where, And then I saw like Luke Thomas and Ariel. A lot of people were talking about it this week. People have short memories. And I don't think everybody remembers George St. Pierre and how good he was. So, I mean, this card's headlined by George St. Pierre and Michael Bisping. I think we might have given people a little reminder about how truly good George St. Pierre was. Um, Marcus, I think the best way of putting it with George was he didn't lose any rounds and nobody could do anything to him. Did he lose any rounds with Hendricks? I mean, I mean, generally speaking, not ever. Like, But he didn't lose rounds. Like, that was his thing. Like, Anderson would give up a round here or there. GSP, shut your shit down. You had nothing. You couldn't do anything to him. 
Yeah, no, I mean, GSP, I mean, for those that might not be aware or got on to MMA, you know, somewhat recently, and I think there has been an influx of fans that might have kind of missed that train or maybe have heard of GSP and not ever seen him really perform. So, I mean, yeah, the dude was just head and shoulders above the division when he was reigning in welterweight, um, which was a really stacked division when, you know, he was kind of cutting through everybody. And he did it by, you know, basically having a great stand-up style but then also, you know, mixed in really a, a fantastic wrestling game. And I think that was really what surprised people the most was that, you know, here's a guy that's been studying karate his whole life. And he comes into the UFC and he's shooting doubles on all these NCAA champions and scoring takedowns and just completely controlling the fight. Like Bobby said, from, you know, uh, the first belt to the last. And it, he, he had a way of striking that was extremely fluid, that was extremely fast. And that translated really well into his uh, double leg attempts and his timing. And he really had a master, he had a masterful, you know, skill set in dictating the pace, dictating the spacing and knowing when he could come in and mixing up his strikes too. I mean, here's a guy who used the Superman punch, also transitioned to like a Superman jab and worked off of those kind of feints and switches to open up bigger strikes, like, you know, big head kicks, big punches, and ultimately, that also opened up people to strike uh, to the ground game, you know, and he was really good on the ground. You know, he was a very nimble top game. He could do a lot of damage on ground and pound, and he had a great submission game. I mean, he was really an all-around, you know, perfect fighter. And it wasn't until, you know, he ran into Johnny Hendricks that had, you know, a tough style for him to kind of combat with that he really, you know, kind of hit some turbulence in one of his fights. He still won that fight, and off of that fight, he decided to retire now it's been what, Bob? Two, two and a half years. I think we're four and, year, four or five years. Oh, geez, yeah, that makes sense because um, it has been a long time. And I think with going into this fight, it's really what does George have left? Does he still have that speed? Does he still have some power? Is any of that power going to translate from going to welterweight to middleweight? Because that's a big jump up, and Bisping's a big middleweight too. So I think a lot of the questions surrounding this fight is just you know what has the time done to George? You know, I don't. I would be surprised if he was training hardcore for those last four years. You know, I think when I retire, I'm not going to be putting the same time I did when I was going to the office every day. So I have to imagine that there's going to be a little bit of rust, but he's also a guy that was, that was always extremely prepared. That was always extremely professional. Um, so I, it's going to be interesting to see. And and I think Bisbing's an interesting matchup for him because some of the knocks we've given Bisbing, you know, he doesn't have a lot of those kind of, you know, grade A skill sets where like, oh, this dude's a terror on the feet. This guy's, you know, top or bottom game is just death if you get there. He's really an all-around fighter that has, you know, a really good stand-up game. He doesn't have the knockout power. It's usually accumulation that, you know, people fall victim to when he's able to knock them out, except for the Luke Rockhold case. That was one of the only knockouts that was, like, super clean, you know, with his hands. Because I think he had a couple with, like, jumping knees and stuff like that. But really, when you look at this fight, there's so many question marks because we haven't seen – GSP fight in so long. We have seen Bisbing, and Bisbing's kind of on top of the world right now. Yeah, yeah um, we're going to get more and more into them because yes, it's a, it's really hard to predict this one. We'll get more into the fight analysis, but a little bit more on George. Um, Steph, I think like, you know, maybe the newer fans see his record and just see like he's got like nine decisions in a row or something like that, but it's worth mentioning that people came out of those fights with their ass whooped a lot. Like, Josh Koscheck basically was done. At the end of that, like GSP, whatever you th like, he would him and Faraz would find the loop, find the hole in your game, and then exploit it to a point that we almost never saw anybody else do. Right? Like if they found a hole, you were fucked. 
I mean, yes, yeah, absolutely, yes. But uh, kind of the caveat I'll say is, you know, Mark has harped it repeatedly. Uh, most recent match aside, but it's like DJ though, right? GSP existed in that space before Mighty Mouse claimed that domain of. You, you brought up Koscheck. He shattered that orbital in the first round. Why didn't he finish him? You know, why did I think the story of GSP was always why didn't you do more? He was you know, the most for how risk, dominant you were. It like, was the most risk averse fighter we've ever seen, to be honest. I mean, the stuff people in terms of like Mighty Mouse come I mean, Mighty Mouse like puts shit away a little later in fights. GSP, it is four minutes and fifty five seconds or whatever in round five, and he is not doing anything. Like, yeah, he's won. No it's there. over. Um, I was watching a promotional video of uh, it was Dan Hardy and um, remind me who his partner is breaking down the John fight. Gooden John, oh, John Gooden um, John Anik and Gooden the uh, English, English one dude. or the white the English dude is Gooden yeah um, oh. and they're you know they're putting up this infographic of stats between Bisping so Bisping uh, has the record for most significant strikes in UFC history and GSP has the most total strikes in UFC history and I thought that was so telling. Because GSP strikes are not significant, you know? It's a lot of peppering them in the guard, you know, clinching them up against the fence, you know, jabs, not like big overhands he doesn't commit, you know? He was George Rush St. Pierre when he started, but we always used to joke how immediately... Dude, it was all like Matt Serra's fault, man. Rush it, was all Matt Sarah, it was all Matt Serra's fault. Matt Serra knocked him out. Still the biggest upset in the sport ever. And GSP's like, I'm never letting that shit happen again. <laughs> Pretty so much. It's, it's that's a hard thing, you know? You said a lot of time has passed. There's this new generation of fan... And unfortunately, when you show GSP's highlights, there's not that signature thing to show, right? There's not that. I mean, yeah, because I, I would like I would show him, kick. like I would show him whooping like John Fitch's ass or him whooping G, a, Bis, a BJ Penn's ass. But man, we've been watching BJ Penn get his ass kicked for five straight years. The whole time GSP's been gone, nobody knows who the fuck John Fitch is. I mean, look, John Fitch was a great fighter in his time, but how long? How long has he been gone? You know what I mean? And um, I don't know, Mike. I mean, like, we're, I mean. You became a fan towards the tail end of GSP, but you were pretty well aware of how fucking be much better he was than everybody else. Hmm. Are you excited that he's back? Uh, not really. Um, I think I can understand why there's some muted excitement about him coming back because five years, it's a long time, and it's a really long time when it comes to fighting. And... You know, I can understand why GSP was always so safe and why he's very similar to DJ. Now, whereas DJ, his normal MO is that he tires someone out, he wears them out, and then he'll get the submission at the end. You also got to remember that with DJ, he's fighting dudes that are 125 pounds. So they don't exactly always carry the same type of uh, weight and power as the people that GSP was fighting all these years. Even a guy in the fifth round who's really tired at 170, well, let's be real, more like 185 or 190, they can still catch someone even really late. So you can understand why GSP, even though I think if he had wanted to all those years ago, could have finished all of these guys, he just said, no, 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 I will just take the check. But I think... Now we've seen such a big rush of people come to 185. You know, it's been such an exciting division that if you're not in the conversation, if you're not actively fighting, besides being a Diaz brother, people will forget you. Yep. People won't be clamoring for you. So, no. I mean, 
I, I really have a choice uh, next Saturday either to go to Sal's dad's birthday party or watch this fight, and I'm kind of torn. Okay, well, this, I mean, I love Gary as much as the next guy. So, I don't know. I understand being torn. Um, let's get into that. I don't. You're going to a friend's dad's birthday party? You might get your priorities straight. Get some friends <laughs> your own age. Jesus Christ. Um, You've never partied with the Vaqueros. Yeah, I was going to say. I, yeah, I haven't. Yeah, this is, uh, this is worth going to. Um, all right. Uh, so, um, let's get into the fight itself. Um, but, real quickly, I am very excited GSP's back. I like GSP. Uh, Steph likes to call him Gentleman GSP. Man, he's a goddamn professional. Like, in a world of people just talking shit when they don't mean it, George ain't playing that shit, man. I don't buy their fake shoving matches. But I don't know. At least, like, George said himself, he's like, I'm terrible at, sh at trash talk. I just, I, I, it comes off as fake, so I don't do it. I'm like, I appreciate that. George is a professional. I'm happy he's back. Um, I love that he's a big ass nerd. Can we? Yeah. How am I going to talk about GSP and not mention his love of dinosaurs? That he, man. He, three things dinosaurs. he loves. What was it? He loves dinosaurs, women, women. and the violence of the octagon. And notice <laughs> which one was number one. Dinosaurs. <laughs> um, Mark, um, get into it, man. Well, what do you got here? It's a pick 'em fight. Both of them are at minus one ten. Yeah. Um. It, it it is a really tough fight to pick and there's a lot of interesting developments that you know we're going to find the answers to very shortly when they kind of lock horns um i i'm going with michael bisping though i mean it's mostly just that layoff and the move up into weight classes just leaves too many question marks for me to feel confident that george is going to be able to come back on a five-year hi hiatus and beat michael bisping who has cultivated this fight this is what he wanted and rightfully so because and I think like what Mike was alluding to before, like if he was excited for GSP to be back and he said he wasn't that excited. And I, I agree where he's coming from because this division doesn't need the star power of GSP to interest me in title fights because there's a plethora of killers in this division that I want to see fight for the belt and I'm ready to see them fight for the belt. And we just haven't seen that yet. And we won't until after this fight. So I definitely get that kind of that mentality of this fight not being as exciting as maybe he was fighting. Um, uh, Bobby Knuckles, that's, you know, there's there's all these guys in the division that I think really earned it, and GSP has a lot, a lot of time off. I'd love to see GSP get a warm-up fight before this. That way it could kind of alleviate some of these question marks I have. How does he look after five years? How does he do with the weight class? But jumping right into it, I have to go with Bisbing. I think that George is going to have a hard time with the speed. I, don't, I think his speed's probably going to be negated a little bit. Uh, George is also really good at shooting doubles in free space, and that's somewhere that Michael Bisbing's pretty strong at. The dude knows how to sprawl. He knows how to move. He knows how to move and strike and sprawl all at the same time. It's a skill set that he's basically had to learn in his days in light heavyweight where he's fighting the likes of Rashad Evans and stuff like that. So I feel like George's skill set is going to be something that Michael Bisbing's seen before. George is going to be more dynamic. He has more options standing up, like I said, with his Superman punch. And the way he sets the Superman punch up to use a jab as well. Um, could be tricky for fighters. I think Bisbing's going to be ready for it. I think Bisbing's going to be bigger. I think um, I think it's going to be a tough fight, and I think George can definitely still win this fight. Um, it's just all those question marks that about George. How he's going to come into this fight? How's the preparation? How's the weight going to be on him? How's that going to affect the things he's done so well? I don't have answers to those questions. We might find out in the first 45 seconds when George hits him with a few good straight punches, shoots a double, and gets on top of him. I'm like, oh, fuck, I called this one wrong. Well, I but, mean – 
Yeah, it's it's. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Marcus. No, so, but in, until I see that, those are just questions that I don't have answers to, and I'm uncomfortable leaning on a guy that hasn't fought in five years. His last fight was a bit hairy. He basically, you know, just just got that win off the skin of his teeth, and now five years removed in a higher weight class against a big middleweight guy who has a lot of momentum, is mentally and physically might be kind of peaking for this fight. I mean, I think Bisbing said this is like one of his last fights. Marcus, so I you got feel something like, rubbing on your microphone. That's okay. So sorry. <laughs> um, so I just think there's a lot of things going in Bisbing's direction. There's a lot of question marks surrounding George St. Pierre. I'm not comfortable. Just I'm not. I'm not so hype on George to take him after five years on just blind faith that things or four years that things have been going well for him and that training's good. The weight's looking good. He's going to be strong. He's not going to be out muscled. Same time, we, we've seen guys move up and look really good. You think of Donald Cerrone and a lot of the guys that moved up from lightweight to welterweight. The weight. Issues really weren't a factor. Maybe they won't be here, but I just don't know. Um, a tune-up fight would have made, you know, if George had a middleweight fight, tune somebody up, looked great. This fight's more compelling to me then. I think it's more competitive, but right now there's too many questions with GSP. I got GSP. I'm the big, I know I'm the resident Bisping fan, but I, uh, I, I got some, I got some research here because uh, GSP's ability to take Michael Bisping down is going to be a big factor in this fight. The last time Michael Bisping went this long without fighting, and he's going to be, this is 13 months since his last fight. Last time he had a layoff like this, he was off 12 months between Alan Belcher and Tim Kennedy. He came back. His timing was off. He was taken down at will. And I know Tim Kennedy's bigger than George St. Pierre, but Tim Kennedy's not the takedown artist that George St. Pierre is. And Tim Kennedy does not have the timing that George St. Pierre does. Granted, it's been four years, so I don't know how his timing is. But a part of my thing thinking here is GSP doesn't need this. Like, not even a little bit. And... I know he loves it. I know a lot of these guys love it. And, but George was gone, and we didn't really hear from George a lot for four years. This is a long time off. And I think he's freer right now mentally of not having to worry about being the champion, which that's about to change if he wins, of course. But I think he's – I don't think he would do this half-cocked. And that doesn't mean he's going to win necessarily. I think the odds are very correct that it's a pick em fight. But – Michael Bisping got his shit pushed in in his last fight, and that was by a 45-year-old man. And I know Dan Henderson still hits like a truck, but Bisping got out of that one by the skin of his teeth. And again, I love Michael Bisping, but I don't even think this is the best version of Michael Bisping. The best version of Michael Bisping probably was four years ago or whatever when GSP was fighting still. I I, I think George is going to find a way, man. I think he's going to might just take him down for five rounds because Bisping, this, time, this much time off, man, and he was hurt. It wasn't just time off. He was hurt. And it was like he had a leg injury. So I'm going to go with George in this one. Mike, what do you got? Well, the last time Mike, Michael Bisping fought was against Dan Henderson. And one thing that I really loved about that fight and brings a bit of a tear to my eye was that that was one of the first fights where I was in Japan. And let me tell you something. There's a lot of sporting events that just suck being on the other side of the world when if you want to watch American sporting events. One thing that doesn't suck is prize fighting because I wake up, I have a coffee on my Sunday morning, and then I would just start watching fights and doing laundry. It was fabulous. Anyway, I find it rich that you're using a 13th month layoff to pick against Michael Bisping. Hey, and man, I, I, I never, I've never seen GSP off of a four-year layoff. I've seen Michael Bisping after not fighting for a year. I saw what happened. <laughs> okay, but you have to agree your logic is a bit flawed. 
Man, I was I was just looking for a reason to pick GSP. But I didn't, you know, I didn't need much. <laughs> but in the battle of I, I, I think Michael Bisping is going to win, but at this point, I am so far behind on the standings. I took a look at them the other day. Holy <laughs> shit. Um, I really want to pick with my heart on this one. Um, I'm going to pick GSP. Um, although, you know, Mark said earlier that, you know, there have been other people that have moved up a weight class and, you know, it, it works worked out pretty well for them. You know, your uh, your Donald Cerrone's, for example. But Donald Cerrone was a really huge 155er, so it made a bit more sense for me. 170 GSP was never known as a massive 170, and frankly, I'm just saying a lot of things that make me want to choose Michael Bisping. But come on, it's GSP. I, I'm not picking against GSP. I have a feeling he. Can, if there's someone who can overcome a four-year layoff and move up, you know, 15 pounds to the next weight division and win the win the title, it'll be GSP. Fair enough, Stefan. Man, I did not expect the picks to go this way because um, I have my own list of bullshit reasons going on. Um, I just don't like picking Michael Bisping. And it's like, it, I'm just getting vibes of when I picked Anderson Silva to beat him just because I wanted it to happen, even though Anderson was clearly done. But uh, let's go to some narratives, right? Who is who has Bisping beat? You know, Luke Rockhold aside, he's beat a lot of old dudes who mostly relied on steroids throughout their career, but not GSP. That man was clean. That man wanted testing. So he's not going to have a big drop-off against GSP. Um, I, I like the dude. And I'm going to just chime this in. I know last episode was lost to the ether, but I'm going to take that Derek Brunson pick and I'm going to score it for me because I was alone on that. I did, I sco that I did right. score for you. Okay, I good, did score good. for you. I, I, I broke the right. picks down. Yeah. But, um, you know, Mike picked Derek Brunson also. This has been the year of me picking with my heart. Um, and I'm going to keep that trend going. Man, you're tied and, for second place with me. Go ahead. Yeah, but it's my man. It's my man Mark's birthday coming up. So let's spot him the lead. Let's, Yo, Mark, let's, Mark, let's Mark, secure his win. Let me tell you right now, but Mark's about to seal the championship with this fight, man. Because hey. I kind of know how the next two might go. So we'll see. And so you know what, Mark? This is a part of your birthday gift a little early from me. But I love GSP. You know, we, we've, we've kind of banked on him for, like, his style. But, like, I like the guy every bit as much as I, you know, as a fighter. What did I tell you like two weeks ago? I was like, I was so happy to watch uh, Captain America again because Batroc the Leaper. And, uh, you know, it's just fun seeing. GSP you know, in a, Steph, you know, not to cut on what you said, but in a world where MMA fighters let me down and make me ashamed of the sport sometimes, GSP's never done that. No, he's like, GSP he's, is a GSP is the guy you almost like, like he's too nice and people don't trust him type shit. Like he's who John Jones was faking to be for the first like four years. That's who Joe, I, George St. Barry is. I, I genuinely cheer for GSP because GSP, if he succeeds, he's a tremendous example of the nice guy finishing first. Um, and we don't get enough of that in sports. There's just, we, or, you know, whenever there are stories of it, they get buried for scandal and they get buried for people like Colby Covington talking shit, you know? Um, I like seeing the nice stories in the sports world. GSP is one of the good ones. So I mean, I mean I, I mean, I love Damian Myers' submissions, but Damian Myers like that to me also. We're like, this guy's just a gentleman. Just nice to have people like that sometimes. Um, co-main event, and to God, this card's loaded. Second of three title fights. Cody Garbrandt, Tody, TJ Dillashaw. We've been waiting on this fight for at least a year. Um, Cody's coming into this fight, minus 175. TJ plus 155. Someone went into Vegas today and laid a 
five-figure bet on Cody Kobe, Cody Garbrandt moving some of the lines to close to two to one uh, in favor of Garbrandt. Um, I'm going to make my pick right now, and the reason, and I, um, I'm more confident in this pick than I was before because I went back and watched T.J. Dillashaw versus Dominic Cruz, and I watched Cody Garbrandt versus Dominic Cruz, and I know this is a Styles make fights, and not like you know, common opponent don't necessarily mean anything, but I hold Dominic Cruz in such high regard as clearly the greatest bantamweight we've ever seen. And I thought Dominic beat TJ, and it was a very close fight, but I thought Dominic won three rounds. Cody, that wasn't close. Like, Cody was clowning him. And his movement is incredible, and his hands are great. And I don't think TJ looks as good against other people as he does against Henan Barrow. And he's like, that camp is half imploded. He's got his own gym in like LA going on. I don't know what's going on with TJ. Cody is in a more stable situation. Despite his theatrics and coming off as a real douche bro, he's a very disciplined fighter inside the cage and knows exactly what he's doing. And I think this is going to be a fairly one-sided but excellent fight. I know I'm, I'm, I'm really high on one guy here, and people probably think it's closer, but I, after what he did to Dominic Cruz, I'm having a hard time thinking anybody in this weight class has anything for Cody Garbrandt. Um, Stefan, what do you got? Um, I'm pretty much on the same boat as you. You kind of nailed all it. You even nailed the point I was going to make is uh, he's a douche bro. I underestimated him. I thought he was going to come in wild. I thought he was going to come in emotional. And boy, did he not. He came in sharp. He came in with a tactile plan. I think he tricked Dominic Cruz into thinking he was going to be wild in that match. Um, uh, his, would... fight I his fight IQ is so much higher than it seems his regular IQ is. And that's just how he comes off. But his fight IQ is incredible. <laughs> yeah, it, he's a tremendous fighter. I can't take even a little bit away from him in that regard. I just don't personally like the guy. And it, it, it sucks making those picks uh, because we're fans of the sport, first and foremost. Why we do this podcast more than anything is we just like the sport. And it's tough when people I kind of think are a little asshole are really talented because it's just a bittersweet win. But yeah, he's just got more going on um, as I've been like, you know, listening to the MMA hour and getting into promotion towards this more and more stories come out about TJ and it's just kind of it's rough. Oh, how, how he ended um, Chris Holdsworth's career. Yeah, the Holdsworth thing was really bad. If you didn't listen, Holdsworth was basically telling a story about how in practice where he shot on TJ all four TJ sprawled out, just knee blasts him in the head, gives him a massive concussion. And that was the start of what became too many concussions, which may or may not have retired Holdsworth, who was a tough winner. You know, like, you know, he won oh, tough man. and then we never saw him again. Everyone was like, well, yeah, what happened? It's, wor it's worth mentioning that he shot on him. This was during jujitsu or slash wrestling practice or something. It wasn't during they weren't sprawl. They weren't sparring. Like this it was is, a it was a grappling drill. Basically. And I believe him. There's also kind of a gentleman's agreement in the gym. You're not going to knee them in the head when they're down like that. It's like one of those things like a lot of gyms don't battle leg locks just because the propensity for injury is too high. I'm pretty sure you don't do knees to the head in practice in training camps. Well, you it's do. also like, I mean, I believe also because we had like Uriah's been saying this and Cody's been saying it for like six months. So we kind of knew this is the first time the guy himself confirmed it. You know, um, I mean, T TJ's denied it. And I, I like TJ because I like Bang by extension, you know. Mm. And so TJ being the disciple of Bang has always been a really cool storyline. When TJ won and I saw how proud Dwayne Ludwig was for him, that was a really great moment to me. But, uh, you know, the, could he win? Absolutely. You know, his his motion is is tremendous. But you're right. He hasn't quite been able to apply it to other fighters the way he did to Henan Barrow. You know, um, it just didn't translate across the board. 
And, you know, we saw it against Dominic. Dominic is the common opponent here, right? And one was very one-sided. One was really close. So, you know, you could say the decline of Dominic. You can blame it on the foot injury and just, you know, there's been so much wear and tear on that guy's body. But the, 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 the you know, you say it's moving two to one. That doesn't feel absurd to me. That feels appropriate. So um, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to take the champ and still. Okay, Mark, let's get in here so, and give me some. Give me the, give me the, oh, Mike, you want to say something first? Yeah, so uh, just, I thought I had read that the whole Chris Holdsworth thing, that it wasn't that when he shot, it was that it was between rounds that he supposedly need him in the back of the head. Staff, what did Holdsworth say? You listened to it today? Uh, so which one was it? Yeah, so Holdsworth's story is uh, he shot, it was, it was during the grappling. He shot in and TJ stuffed it with a sprawl. And it was while TJ was sprawled on top of him that he knee blasted him on the top of the head. Ah, uh, okay. So uh, I mean, uh, that's like a look. I mean, look, that's a douchey thing. Yeah. That's not a reason. To, that's not a reason he's going to win or lose this fight. But but then yeah. Holdsworth he he twisted the knife after that because then he, the last thing he just threw in is uh, he didn't say it in so many words, but he basically alluded. And on a final note, steroids. You know what oh, I'm yeah. talking about? Like, yeah, I, 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 I heard that out there, Marcus. I know you're going to pick TJ here. Um, He's well, definitely got a shot. Well, I can I mean, change I, my mind. I'm a big boy. Okay, fine. I thought you were going to pick TJ, but well, um, I mean, I feel you'll give merit more to his case because we've been really pumping up Cody here. I think you're going to pick TJ. Then everyone picked GSP, and I'm like, well, fuck. I, I'll pick a smart fight here because that TJ was giving me my throwaway because I mean, the the god honest truth is that Cody made a huge leap in what he was able to show and do inside the octagon in that last fight with Dominic Cruz. And yeah, when you look at how those how those two fighters faced Dominic and how one was just hands, you know, sh head and shoulders above uh, what Dominic was able to do in the octagon, that was Cody. I mean, he, he really took the leap. Just like when uh, TJ fought Barrow, like we saw a TJ do stuff that we'd never seen him do before. That's what Cody did in, in the Dominic fight. And I think it just goes to show, you know, how fast and quick this sport can move on. Um, we saw, you know, we were just talking about Lyoto, you know, when Lyoto won the belt, Joe said it was the Lyoto era and that lasted all of like what one, two fights. I mean, things move so quickly and new people come up with new skill sets and just elevate the game. And that's what Cody did. Um, that's not to say that TJ is, you know, a fish out of water in this fight, but a lot of things that TJ does well, his skill set is going to be negated a bit. I feel like he's going to have a hard time wrestling Cody. Um, if that's something he could do, because I don't think Cody, correct me if I'm wrong, does he have a wrestling background or is he? he I'm pretty sure he does, to be honest. I'm only looking so look up. I like, don't know. I'll look it up. For while sure. you talk, I'll look it up. I don't know for sure. And that could be an avenue that potentially maybe um, could be, you know, a smart strategy. But on the feet, we just saw Cody. I mean, we knew this kid had heavy hands, but his footwork and his confidence just skyrocketed in that last fight. And I have to feel that, you know, with all that momentum on his side, um, it's just going to continue to pour on. I think he's highly motivated in this fight. There's a lot of bad blood. And I feel, too, like you guys have said, you know, TJ is moving out of Alpha Male and now out of the muscle farm gym. There's a lot of flux in his training. Um, there's a lot of question marks again, just like I talked about with GSP. Whereas Cody's at the same camp. I mean, there's a little mix up, I guess, with Justin Buckhold. He used to be the main leader. He got Cody the belt and now they kicked him out of the, the head coach spot, which was kind of weird. Wait, what? But, they, they did? Yeah, uh, Justin Justin Buckhold is no longer the team uh, head coach for Team Alpha Male. He's now the Muay Thai coach. 
And I don't know if they switched someone else to head coach or not. I just saw that today. Uh, um, Arai, Justin said that Arias said that there's going to be five head coaches. Yeah, because that's what you want when you're trying to make a meal. Get more chefs in there to start sprinkling ingredients, especially after he just got Cody the belt. And I think Cody's the first, like, after TJ guy they got to a belt, right? No one else has won a belt at Team Alpha Male. So, I mean, it looked like they had a winning formula and now they're tweaking it, which I don't really understand. But I don't think it's going to cause, you know, too much, you know, miscommunication or turmoil in the camp. Um, so I, I'm going to pick with Cody. I, I was leaning towards TJ, but that was like kind of step on with GSP. That was more of a heart, not logic kind of stance because um, I feel like on paper, Cody is just, he's a little bit ahead of where TJ is. You know, um, I like TJ's skill sets. I think on the feet, he's a little more versatile. He likes to throw those head kicks. He uses his feet a little bit more, but Cody's got the power. He's got the confidence. He has the footwork. And um, I think he's going to be able to get it done. All right, Mike. Cody and TJ have very similar movements. Uh, we've seen both of them fight um, Dominic. And while arguably you could say TJ may have won that fight, um, you know, one thing that gives me just a little pause is that as great as Cody is, if we're just using Dominic Cruz as the uh, barometer for both of them, I'm going to believe Dominic's stories that his feet were really tore up in that fight. Yeah, yeah, but Dominic spent the last two rounds against TJ limping. Those are the only rounds TJ won. But the <laughs> injuries in the TJ fight, at least from what Dominic says, weren't nearly as bad as in the Cody fight. And maybe... Maybe that's why Cody looks so good, or maybe it's just that Cody's on a whole nother level. So that's something to look at when going into the fight. On the other hand, TJ, well, TJ is a really good fighter. TJ has great movement. TJ is really good at everything, but Cody has got unreal power for that division and he's just as quick i think as tj maybe just a, a step maybe a half step slower but even with that all he needs to do is catch him once so because of the power advantage i'm gonna have to go with cody in this fight and also you know no steroids for tj this time Yo, we don't know if these dudes are on steroids or not. Allegedly. Allegedly. All right. Um, UFC Women's Strawweight Championship. Joanna, champion of my heart. Yen Jacek. Rose Namajunas. Um, no. Keep Rose away. Um, I'm going to let Mike lead this off. Rose is plus 400. Ro Joanna's minus 500. We can make this quick. Who do you got, Mike? <laughs> uh, I'm not going to make it quick. If I remember correctly, I think it was after Rose's last win. I think I texted to Bobby, yo, keep my girl Rose away from Yolanda. <laughs> that alone says what I think of Rose's prospects in this fight. Oh, shit. This is going to be bad. Um, yeah, I got, I got Joanna. I don't, I'm not sure how Rose wins this necessarily. Short of like somehow getting her. I don't know how she's going to get her to the ground. It's, you got to hear with some like flying armbar shit because. I don't think she's better than Joanna anywhere besides the ground. Like even in the clinch, I know Rose likes to do work. Joanna's better there. So yeah, I got I got Joanna running away here. Mark. 
Yeah, I was gonna press you on some of that. Like, how does Rose win? Chick fucking subs chicks all the time. A submission's how she wins the fight. Yeah, but he's got to get. He's got to get there. That that that's what I and that and that is where your argument started holding water because yeah, that's gonna be the hardest part. Is that can Rose win this fight? Yeah, she absolutely can. Is she gonna be able to get the fight in position where she can win? That's a really uphill battle. Um, because no one has been able to really take Joanna down, control her, and implement submissions. Um. Maybe Rose can, but I really don't see Rose being able to get inside of her effectively. Like you said, even if she's able to get in and get with the clinch, Joanna does work there too. She knows her ins and outs. She knows how to do damage from the clinch. She knows how to get her back away from the cage. She knows how to do all the things that, if she did know how to do, could potentially lead her to positions where Rose could dominate. In a scramble, Rose is really dangerous. If, if this fight hits the floor at all joanna really has to be cautious of what she's doing especially if they go into a scramble because you know she might be so used to oh when i get in this position i'm gonna turn my back and i'm gonna stand back up but you can't do that with rose because if you give your back to rose she's gonna sink in the hooks and you're gonna be fighting off submissions for the rest of the round so i definitely think there's an avenue for rose to win i don't see her getting to those positions with joanna because she's so strong in the stand-up and she's so good at keeping girls at distance with her jab and her kicks and, you know, just putting damage on them before they know it, they're beat up, tired, and they can't implement all the strategies they need to to win. So, yeah, I think Joanna's going to win this fight. Like we said, it's going to be a long time. There's going to have to be some new girl to come into the division to really shake things up to the point where I'm like, oh, she might give Joanna a run for the money. Because at this point, Joanna has faced a wealth of different girls with different skill sets, whether they're wrestlers, whether they're jujitsu practitioner, practitioners, whether they're stand-up artists. You know, and she's beat them all. So it's really hard to think of how you engineer a fighter with a skill set that's going to be strong enough to stop Joanna. And I don't think Rose has it. Steph? Um, keeping it unanimous, you know. Uh, the, the only way I can see Rose getting it to a submission point is if she blasts Joanna with a head kick that she doesn't see coming, a la uh, Michelle Watterson. You know, but again, you're, you're, you're kind of swinging for the fences with kind of puncher's chance logic. You know, Hail Mary strikes. Um, yeah, you know, you, you you messaged me earlier that you saw Rose was a plus 400 favorite. And I'm like, I don't understand why you're like the least bit surprised. You know, like, man, that's a lot. <laughs> Yoana's in that territory, though. She's in Anderson, John Jones, Mighty Mouse territory of no one's really threatened her in any credible way. You know, um, you saw that she could be grappled for two rounds. But even not that well. It's like, you know, Claudia would take her down. But did she ever do anything on the ground with it? No, because Joanna would, all she had to do was like spend the round fighting to keep her there because Joanna is so adept. So, you know, it's it's one of those things I don't think any of us are going to see Joanna's loss coming. It's because she's just so dominant. It's going to take someone doing a transcendent jump, as uh, Mark said about Cody, you know, someone's going to have to ascend to a Super Saiyan level that we don't see coming to take her out. Honestly, like right I mean, now, like in, like in my head right now, I like, I'm trying to think where I was before Cody and Dominic, where we were all fucking cocksure that Cody was just going to get like, like Dominic was going to be the matador and Cody was going to be the bull for five rounds. Like in my head right now, like I think in my head, I give Rose a better chance than I did Cody that night, honestly. And I was the biggest goddamn Cody, you know, fan on this show. I mean, I remember I'm the only one who picked him against Thomas Almeida, but that's the thing. Like it could happen. Weirder shit has happened. I mean, we, we can't we can't sleep on Rose's stand up, but let's understand why she's such a heavy underdog. Let's go and I know you, you guys don't like to do transitive property of 
past people they faced or anything like that. But let's run through the resume of who Joanna Champion has fought in. She got the belt from Carla Sparza, who worked Rose for that mm-hmm. for, the, for the inaugural championship. All right, Jessica Panay. Okay, Rose can beat Jessica Panay. All right, Carolina Kolkavich worked Rose. For yeah, that, Dan- was, that, that was a cl- that was a clear two one. I don't know why there was a split. And that was Valerie Letourneau. Uh, I think I would have. I think I would pick Valerie Letourneau over over Rose in a fight, main, mainly because of I think the the size advantage. And Claudia, well, you, I mean, that's my other girl, but my girl Claudia is better than my girl Rose. So all of these people who <laughs> objectively no, you, you, are better than Rose you, you know what? got Steph's worked girl, by Joanna. Steph's girl Jessica Andrade is better than all of them, so it's worth pointing out. <laughs> also forgot Jessica Andrade. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like it's a it's a tough one for her, but she's getting another title shot. Her record is not – she's 6-3. and three. Rose got – can we get Rose on like – I don't know. She's like twenty five. Let's just get her a fleet of fights, man. She's I thought it was a. Fights. I thought it was a bit fast for her. I think she just kind of. She's getting this because she stole uh, Waterson's hype train. Because you know they were kind of pushing Waterson. They were fast track. They were fast. I mean, she's on. Her. She's on a one fight win streak. You're right. Yeah, they were fast tracking Michelle to the title. But then when Rose just annihilated Michelle, it was hard to not. You know, you you take their momentum. It's a. Uh, What's that terrible sci-fi movie? But I kind of like you. You you uh you take what's yours or whatever. The uh Vin Diesel one. He sees he has night vision. Oh, uh, the pitch black or no, yeah, Chronicles of Riddick. Chronicles of Riddick. Yeah, I didn't know he took people's momentum, but no, no, no. He's talking about in the second movie that race of people that you take what you kill. Yeah, they have some type of ridiculous name like yeah. the Warmongers or something. It's our man uh, Carl Urban, who's just a great character actor and cheesy campy like sci-fi stuff i love that dude um you most likely know him bobby as uh bones mccoy in the current uh star trek movies he's a great he's a fun actor but um yeah so we kind of acknowledge we all like rose but she kind of it's a little it's a little early for her which is odd to say all right we're gonna pick up the pace a little bit on these last two knocking this out um this is going to be awesome Jorge, I, mean, I definitely jinxed it. Jorge Masvidal, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. This is a type of matchmaking I'm here for, man. Um, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is need has got to have an exciting fight because it's been a while. Those Woodley fights really did not make me think more of him. In fact, the opposite. Um, Jorge Masvidal has always been one of our guys. I know Mark's a huge fan. Steph's a fan. I'm a fan. I'm sure Mike's a fan. The man who once said he had the best sucker punch in Miami, Jorge Masvidal getting some big fights. The winner. If Jorge Masvidal wins this fight, he should get a title shot. And it's not even a question to me. Um, I don't know who else is even up there. Not fucking Colby Covington. Jorge Masvidal wins this fight. He's a goddamn title shot. Um, this fight, he's coming into this one, though. Masvidal is a slight underdog, plus 145. Wonderboy Thompson, minus 165. I am all I am all on board with Jorge Masvidal at 170. And, like, Damian Maya barely got out of that one. And I'm a big Damian Maya guy. Jorge Masvidal, I think, is going to win this one. Not sure how yet, but I got Jorge Masvidal. Mark? Yeah, um, I think it's another tough one to, to really break down and call. Um, oof, I, don't, I haven't really made up my mind. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Wonder Boy. I think it's tough because there's no momentum going with him right now. His last two fights against Woodley, um, I think he kind of just buckled under the pressure. He was so worried about the takedowns. Uh, and honestly, I think I'm just picking because Bobby picked Jorge, and I'm trying to get Dude, ground on you him. Dude, right you, you got you got a you got a four 
pick lead on me and Stefan, by the way. Me and Stefan are tied. It's a wrap. We're not making up four wins in the next month and a half. Well, right? yeah, in this card you can because Jorge and GSP have a decent shot of winning. Um, I'm just, yeah, I, I love Jorge too, but I feel like when he does the when he does his best, it's because he's able to really dictate the fight with his jab, and I feel like that's going to be really tough to do with uh, Thompson because I feel like in the jab range, that's right where Thompson's going to have all the range for him to be throwing a lot of his kicks and really keep Jorge um, guessing. It's a really tough fight. I feel like Jorge does kind of – he doesn't perform as well when he has another striker that knows how to gauge the distance well too. So I think I think it's it's a toss-up though. I, I'd, I'd love to see Jorge win. I'd love to see him get a title shot. But, Bob, I do think he just lost to Maya too. So this would be a one-win Thompson into a title fight, which I don't think would be – I mean, Rose, Rose, just, Rose just got a title shot off of that. But at that, that, that same thing, Joanna has cleared out that division. They kind of just need to throw bodies at her. I don't know if Woodley's in the same. I don't know that, that division well enough. I have to imagine there's someone else. But, hey, I'd love to see Jorge and Woodley. I don't know if that go great for Jorge, honestly, because of the, the wrestling um, of Woodley. Well, but let's, it, let's it, look at the – let's real quickly look at the rankings. All right, um, and this is not – up. I don't know when it's updated. Whatever. Um Tyron Woodley, Robbie Lawler. I think he did say that. Actually, I think Dana White already said Robbie Lawler, Dos Anjos winner is getting a title shot. So there's that out there. We got Lawler, Dos Anjos. Wonder Boy already got a title shot twice. He's not getting another shot at Woodley. Damian Maya just lost, and he wasn't going to get a title shot anyway. Dos Anjos fighting Lawler. Uh, Colby Covington's not getting a shot over any of the people I mentioned. Darren Till is going to fight. I'm going to guess. the. I think it sounded like Darren Till... Uh, and I think if Steph was you said he needed to call out somebody better, I think where like he said he was gonna he wanted to fight Wonder Boy or the winner of Wonder Boy Masvidal. Yeah, okay if, uh, if they don't, um, you know, if the winner of this fight doesn't get a title shot, because yeah, I'm looking at him right now. It's four versus two, so that is a logic. Even with a one fight winning streak, that's a logical jump because that moves up. You know, you're basically it's Robbie in the way. Like if Robbie beats Dos Anjos, I want the rematch. I don't really want Dos Anjos Woodley if Dos Anjos wins that match, to be honest. You know, in fairness, though, if he goes out there and beats Robbie Lawler, we got to get the man his due. Of course. It always comes down to how they win. You know, if one's grinding, if it's a bad decision versus if there's a highlight real KO, yeah, the more impressive victory has the momentum. Um, sorry, did uh, whoever was last making their pick make their pick? Yeah, make your pick. Um, I'm going with Jorge. Um, just because for two key reasons is I think Jorge rises to the occasion when he has a, a big opponent. It was like the Cerrone fight, in my opinion. Jorge, he'll be a little lackluster against mid-tier guys. I think he's going to get excited for Wonderboy. And what I like, why I like his chances is Jorge, he has a jab. He also dirty boxes really well in the clinch. And if you clinch on Wonderboy, you negate the kicks. And Wonderboy is not that impressive if he's not kicking, as we've seen in the Woodley fight. If you can limit him to just his hands... He's not nearly as dynamic. He's not. It's nearly hard to as look powerful. good against. It's hard to look good against Masvidal. Period. Nobody looks good beating him, except Sully. except Toby Amata. <laughs> yeah, except when you have the submission of the year. Yes. <laughs> um, Mike, well, I did. I didn't pick, but for uh, brevity's sake, I would just say I pick Masvidal. Real oh, Jesus Christ, man! All right, we're all picking <laughs> underdogs here, I guess. Um. Mike's comeback oh, wait, actually, in the rankings Actually, wait a second. If all Mike, of you are picking Masvidal, uh, this is where I'm going to try to make up some ground. I'm going to pick Wonderboy. 
Okay, so no one listens when I when I do my breakdown. No, everyone I, zones out. No, and no, no. Like, talking. Don't no, even Mike, listen to this. I, I think I think Mike was referring to catching up on me and Stefan. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, so it's you Mike, and me, Mike, 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 you're out of the way. I'm trying to yeah. try to get a piece of two or three. Uh, yeah, exactly, Mike. You are Mark. <laughs> Mike's too fucked up to get. Mike that just close. wants to place. He just wants yeah. to medal. Yeah. <laughs> He doesn't want to be the guy at the end of Mario Party who got fourth place and everybody else is on the medal stand and then they shoot you out of a fucking cannon because you got fourth place. People who played Mario Party 1 really appreciate that reference. <laughs> um, all right, this is going to be real quick, guys. Are you going to pick Johnny Hendricks or are you going to pick a 26-year-old Brazilian who's juiced to the... T okay. Who's Jack to the? God Jack. damn, Bobby! You are picking. You are stealing all my color because I'm the only one who did any research on this fight, and you are just stealing all. My you know what, Stefan? You go. You go. You Stefan, you just do it. Go ahead. Um. So let let's say be honest. None of us are taking Johnny Hendricks in this fight. So I'm just gonna add a little color. Uh, this doesn't affect our picks, but after, I didn't know who Paolo Boracina is to be a minus two hundred favorite. But I looked him up, and I looked at the company he keeps. This is my color on the pick. We're all picking Paulo because Johnny looks terrible. He looks like he's out the door. If you want to surprise me and take him, I think that's your loss. Paulo Paulo Boricina sounds like something Johnny Hendricks would eat. So I think the real I think the real question in this one is uh, I made the weight cut the the issue of the Lineker fight. The real thing is you think Paul look up Paulo Boricina on Google Image Search right now. You tell me if you think this is the man that's going to pass the post fight drug test. You you see a photo should we, of him hugging, should we, like, should we just pick instead? Like, let's just, you know what? Let's just pick if he's going to pass the drug test. Fuck it. <laughs> All right. Stefan, is he going to pass the drug test? Oh, man. We can't pick that because that's like two, three weeks to really know. Okay, fine. Just pick. Okay, are we all picking? I, I'm not taking Johnny Hendricks against a guy who's a two to one favorite against him, who's 10 and 0 with 10 finishes. I mean, paraphrasing your brother right now is uh, Paolo Bertina is young, brown, and jacked. <laughs> uh, and and USADA ruined Johnny Hendricks, as you said to me earlier, Bobby. Um, I got the young buck. He's gonna knock him out. He's big. He is a big, big welterweight. Or Marcus, what do you really. uh, middleweight? Marcus, do you think uh, there's any reason to pick Johnny Hendricks here? No, no. Okay, Mike. Paulo Boricina is a beautiful man. I'll pick him. <laughs> All right. Three people who don't have faith in Johnny Hendricks. One person who thinks that his opponent's just handsome. Uh, all right. Um, I was going to introduce this segment. We tried to do this last week where we're introducing a little segment, which, Stefan, what's the really weird name you gave this thing? Weird name is alliteration. I called it Memoirs of an MMA Fan. Memoirs of an MMA Fan. Memoir where is we're... a fancy word for memory. That's all it Memoir. is. Memoirs, it's, 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 as you put it in a Haverford way, it is classy as shit. All right, <laughs> that's what memoirs is. Um, we we're gonna we we're gonna do this every week. Um, normally one question, maybe two, depending on how light the news is. So this week is definitely gonna be one. Just gonna ask a random question to the guys about our general MMA fandom. That maybe you guys learned a little bit more where we came from or where we're coming from in general. Um, and um, yeah, where where you're coming from, and uh, you know where we are as MMA fans in general. Um. I'm gonna ask a two-part question here, and I'll um I'm gonna ask myself it first, just give the guys a chance to think about it, because I gave nobody any notice here um about what we're gonna talk about. So um just the question is what is your favorite fight you've ever seen live? And what is your favorite fight you've ever watched on, you know, TV? All right. Um I'll um I'll lead it off. And I think, I mean, we've actually been blessed here. Um, we've been blessed, um, to uh, me and Stefan Marks specifically in that we were in the building for Shogun Henderson one, 
And we were in the building for um, Robbie Lawler and uh, Rory McDonald. Um, and that is my pick. Rory, Rory McDonald versus Robbie Lawler is my pick for my favorite fight I've ever seen live. It was there was something about it, um, just like the moments. There's like a bunch of moments in that fight when Rory just couldn't take anymore. And um, there's the stare down at the end of round. Guys, help me out. Was it round three? Where I think it was round three where Robbie and Rory just stared at each other and like nobody was going to back away to their corner. Is it three some, or four? Yeah, that was some like fucking like that was that's the type of shit in MMA. That might be like my top five MMA moment ever for me right there. But that's my favorite fight I've ever um, been to live. And um, my favorite fight I've ever watched on TV. Oh, this is tough. I don't have such an easy answer for that one. Bobby stuffing himself with his own uh, question. You know, this is weird. It's like it's gonna. I'm, I'm definitely gonna end up changing my mind by the end of this. But I'm gonna say it right now. When I was watching Dominic Cruz and T.J. Dillashaw, and this is on my mind right now, but I got emotionally invested in Dominic Cruz making that comeback to a weird degree. Like I don't know why I got so into like Dominic Cruz somehow pulling this off. Because to this day, it still amazes me that he was able to come back on that kind of layoff, and put on that kind of performance. So, and it was a really good fight too. So I'm definitely going to change this by the time the guys are done talking, but the best favorite one I've ever seen on TV, I'm going to go Cruz and uh, Dillashaw. Um, who's comfortable going next? I can go. Oh, there or, you go. Mark, or Mike, you want to go? Uh, no, go ahead, man. Um, you know, I'm going to kind of cheat. And uh, one of my answers isn't going to probably be my true, honest answer, but just to talk about different fights so we're not all seeing the same ones, you know. Bobby is absolutely right. We've been very fortunate to see some of the great, great fights. Like, um, and so it's kind of a two-parter for me is, uh, on the one hand, uh, I will always fondly remember the WEC card Mark took me to up in Sacramento. Because um, it, it wasn't high stakes, but Chan Sung Jung, versus um leonard garcia even though terrible decision aside that was the birth of like a love affair i had for chan sung jung when the dude came out to zombie by the cranberries like i didn't know that was his walkout song and like that was so perfect i loved it i loved that no one knew who he was i love that mark and i were the only ones cheering for that guy but that he became an overnight sensation the next ufc event dana white was wearing the shirt you know um they made and, they made a they made a shirt for the, the rematch before there was anybody booked anything. Um, and then in terms of just kind of emotional insanity, adrenaline, uh, Anderson Silva versus Chael Sonnen in Oakland. We had never seen that happen to Anderson. Anderson getting shellacked. Anderson getting wrecked. Getting taken down at will. Getting beat up. And then that hail mary, like you know, triangle to armbar submission in the final. The crowd turned. Chael was the heel at the start of it. And then all of a sudden in round three, we're chanting USA. And I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Like you fucking turncoat <laughs> Oakland fans. I was you were yelling. So... You were just yelling. You were yelling at the crowd. I, Not to anybody in particular. You're like, no, I what was, happened? I was so <laughs> livid at that, but just the emotion and the adrenaline in that fight was amazing. And sorry to hijack. It's just a cheap one. Cause no one's picking this, but in terms of, I just remember my emotional reaction when Tito Ortiz defeated ryan bader oh shit i remember that <laughs> i did a lap around the living room screaming just because i didn't think it was possible and it's like i don't even like tito that much but i as a as someone who's been an mma fan and aware of the ufc since the beginning mark getting us really into it circa middle school high school like tito has meant a lot to this sport mark name in spanish class was tito 
if we all recall like he meant a lot to this thing and he had fallen on hard hard times dude we, we lost it remember that we started doing a grave digger we we're all like oh shit i think we all frankly never thought we'd see it again so that in terms of something i saw on tv and i wasn't there for i just remember the adrenaline rush of that moment it was fucking exciting um mark why don't you go here buddy uh yeah there's there's a lot of we, we you know like we mentioned before we've been blessed we've been to a lot of good um live events and i was trying to think like what was the best because we saw fedor lose for the first time and that was exciting i've seen nick fight multiple times but i think um one of my favorites just because of how the fight played out and the theatrics leading up to it which the ufc still hasn't done um is my favorite fight to watch and it's just like out of my favorite fight to watch that you guys didn't already talk about because those were two other really awesome main events. But it was uh, Conor McGregor and Chad Mendez um, because the, the the entrance was – I mean, first of all, it, this was at like the pinnacle of Conor really coming into fame. Um, the Irish fans were at that event in droves. The arena was just super electric for that fight to come up. Um, it was the first time they're doing their new little uniforms – and they they had theatrics for their entrance. Um, Bobby, who, who's that uh, female Irish singer? Uh, oh, Sinead O'Connor. Sinead O'Connor. She I mean, she she did the song, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And Chad had some country guy who knows who the fuck he was. But oh man, he was getting booed out the Diamond? building. But no, it, it wasn't, wasn't it Neil Diamond? But it no, was Neil Diamond. Not even a country. No, yeah, it wasn't Neil Diamond. Um, <laughs> but it was one of those things. You know, uh, I never had the opportunity to see Pride. Um, in its heyday and their big entrances, all the excitement that goes into that. So to have UFC, you know, even go a step beyond, you know, just having some lights and a big entrance ramp to have live music played as you're walking out, I think is a really cool thing. I don't know why they don't do that more often for the big marquee events. I think it'd be get everyone a lot more excited. I think it just brings more excitement to the fight. Um, but then the fight in and of itself was really cool because as I mean, we had again, like we mentioned before, when you have money on the fight, it makes it a little bit more interesting. We had every, all of us had parlays that were ending on Connor winning, and yep. going into that fight, I was really interested in seeing how Connor would do against a wrestler, and I thought it was it was such a fun fight to see Chad take him down and put him through his paces, and to see Connor have to work through that and and land that big punch and win that fight and give us our money and have the crowd erupt, and, you know. And then there was, I mean, not only did the crowd erupt when he won, but I mean maybe more iconic is just leaving that arena when there's, you know, tens of thousands of Irish people coming out of the, was the MGM grand or something? I can't remember what arena we were in. It might've been the MGM. You're right. It was the MGM. You're right. Yeah. And just have all those people singing their songs, dudes jumping on slot machines. Uh, it, it was mayhem. It was craziness. I, I've never seen, you know, a, a post fight like that before. Um, probably never will again. Um, and it was just cool. It was, it was one of those, one of those cool main events we saw. We saw, we've seen a lot. What was your one for television? Oh yeah, that one's so tough. I mean, I have millions. Yeah, I, I've, of already cha- I've already changed it in my head like twice, it's, and, and it's just it's, like it, I can't even think of one fight. So I kind of just thought like one of the events I liked the most was uh, Pride Bushido X. It was when they were doing their lightweight Grand Prix. They just had all the fucking killers in lightweight at that time. Uh, you had. Uh, Hiyoto Sakurai, who's one of my favorites. Jens Pulver was in the mix. Of course, Gomi was there with Kawajiri. You also had uh, Hansen. And just even the fights that were outside of the tournament, it was just like, I I mean, I love the format of Pride and the rule set that they had. Um, but those Bush- the, the Bushido cards were just on another level because it was all the lightweight guys, something to prove. 
limited rule set and man those fights are just so exciting it's always a card that i think is one of the best cards hands down just action-packed um and it, it's tough i mean made my favorite fight on there was pulver versus uh Hirato sakurai because i love sakurai i love the way he fights i love the way he mixes up his striking in his top game and his ground and pound and him and pulver just had a slugfest and there's so many good fights in that card um and i mean i've seen so many good fights too and i think the, the ones that you mentioned were really cool um and I think if I had more time, I could pick one that really solidified that I was the most excited to see. Um, but yeah, for now, I'm just going to say Bushido X because um, this is a great card. Um, I I, I kind of want to change my pick to Nick Diaz versus Paul Daly. That's a pretty good fight. Or or Carlos Conor versus Robbie Lawler. I just kind of want to say those fights. They deserve attention. And um, yeah, I just want to throw out there, us all yelling at people after the third round of Shogun versus Henderson. that Because uh-huh. it was the... It was the first one that was. Uh... That's the fight I was going to mention. Okay, go ahead. Well, I'll, I'll throw in. I'll throw in our our notes from being there. But go ahead. All right. Well, I was starting to realize. I've started to realize that uh, thinking about the fights I've been to, either I need to take more nootropics because my memory is horrible, or I really can't remember any big worthwhile fights that were like really big slobber knockers I went to. Because I mean. I could You've say, had some bad luck, man. Yeah, I, I could say the Anderson Silva Vitor fight, but it that wasn't a good fight. It had a good finish to it. Uh so I'm gonna have to go a bit off the beaten path when it comes to the fights I've been to. Um and it'll be a surprise to no one to know that it's connected to money. Uh it'll be from that same card, uh the Jake Ellenberger fight. At this point, <laughs> I don't. I don't even remember who he fought. Uh, someone help him out, man! I forgot his name. Also, oh, was wasn't it... it Matt Wyman? No, no, it no. Was it was like bad. Rocha or something. I don't oh, know. Oh, don't Eduardo, know. something Eduardo Rocha, Carlos, some whoever Jake Ellenberger fought at UFC 126. <laughs> well, that fight just holds great, uh, great meaning and significance for me because that was the that was the fight on our parlay that just I know we've talked about Dude, this a bunch we were, of times. Mike, we were holding each other. Remember you and me were holding each <laughs> yeah. other when they announced the decision. We were all extremely <laughs> tense throughout the whole fight because I think that was fight number three of a five fight parlay, and it was just razor thin the whole time. We had I think it was Ellenberger's uh, wife or girlfriend just yelling war war behind us, so that was great, and. When they announced, I think it was the split decision when all of us jumped up like we won we... a freaking championship. <laughs> and then when we saw his family later on, we a little drunkenly, you know, went up to them very happy. Okay, I didn't say anything to them. I just, okay, it was I you. You did. It was you, Mike. <laughs> uh, for the record, for people who kind of wonder what we're alluding to, no family really cares that you won money on their kid. That is yeah. not something any family. They're really happy cares. the guy escaped with a, like double his paycheck and no major injuries. Um, for the fight that I watched that I thought was really really memorable was the uh, Shogun Hendo fight. I mean, it was back and forth the whole time, and uh, you know, like uh, who was I think it was uh, Hendo got rocked early and then came back later on in the yeah. fight. Other way, or I think. The other way. Other way. The Shogun won the last two rounds, I remember. You know, so I just remember that fight just being a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, a fight's always going to get elevated to me when someone almost gets knocked out. And 
even if they come back and they don't win the fight, if they can come back and persevere, those are always great fights for me. And uh, that one is sticks out another one because that was the first, I think it was the first or second time they had a non, they had a five round main event that was a non-title. And that's like, if you're a newer fan, we used, the fights used to just be main event. If it was a main event and there was no title on the line, it was three rounds. Um, so this was like the first or second card. And I remember after round three, we saw people starting getting up and we were, everybody was just yelling at each other. No, there's two more rounds. And, uh, like, uh, at the beginning of the third round, uh, Herb Dean says final round. And then Dan Henderson looks at him and pulls three fingers up and says three more. And Dan's already exhausted. And Herb's like, yep, third round. <laughs> um, yeah, that's an all time classic. Um, so yeah, we're going to try to pepper this in, um, just, you know, random thoughts on MMA that aren't just, you know, what happened last week, what's happening next week. But let's do uh, let's do stuff we like. Um, as I'm the only one who's finished Stranger Things and a lot of guys haven't watched it yet, we're going to get more into it next week. But I just want to say I'm watching, I watched all of Stranger Things and I enjoyed it. But we'll get into it in depth next week. Um, really what we're here to talk about is fucking Mario came out and Mark bought it. So Mark, let's go. Hey, I bought it too, but Mark is our video game guy. Exactly. How are you liking it, Mark? Yeah, no. Um, Mario's fantastic. Um, there was little doubt that the game wasn't going to meet expectations. Everything that we saw leading up to the release just spoke that, you know, Nintendo has really been listening to the fans and what they want from a Mario game. And really, Nintendo has just been on fucking fire this year. You know, probably one of the best launch years they've ever had for any console. Um, having, you know, a top-tier Zelda and Mario game release within the same calendar year is kind of amazing. But yeah, Mario Odyssey in and of itself, there, there is a charm that Nintendo brings to their, their software lineup when they really put time and effort into it. And you can tell that they put a lot of time and effort into Mario and making you invested in it. But really, they were already working with a solid foundation that they've worked off since they basically made Mario 64, which was the first 3D platformer they kind of nailed a lot of things on that first attempt. And as they gone through with Sunshine, the two Galaxy uh, games, and then the last... Marcus, your cable. And the last uh, 3D world. Um, yeah, they've, they've just been perfecting on a formula that's already been tweaked, you know, throughout the years very well. Um, and they and they just done it again with this. Um, and I think what's really fun in this game is a lot of the 3D platformers, they like to call them collect-a-thons. Um, you're collecting different things within the levels. Um, in this game, you're collecting moon power, which powers your ship so you can go to new worlds. Um, but there's also two different currencies. You're using your gold coins, which are a standard of Mario. Um, it used to be if you get 100 coins in a level, you get you get a level um, a life up. But in this game, what they're doing, which I think is really smart, is they're not punishing the players for death. There is no life meter. You don't have X amount of lives. Basically, every time you die, I think it takes off 15 coins, which is a very minimal amount. So the, the punishment on failing in Mario Odyssey is very minimal, so, you know, missing jumps and stuff isn't that big of a deal because, you know, you may have to, you know, go back a little bit to a checkpoint, but negating back to where you were and failing uh, isn't punished nearly as much. But for me, what's really fun is there is collectible coins as well, and with those coins, and even with the coins, the regular gold coins, um, there's different things you can buy. There's an economy to Mario, which I don't think any of the other games had, and essentially that with your gold coins, you can either buy hearts that give you more health you can buy the moon power um but they also have and this is a thing that kind of goes throughout the game they have new they basically have new clothes for mario to wear you have it you can wear different suits and different hats and the whole premise i probably should have mentioned this first the whole premise of the game the real the tweak on this is that 
Mario basically loses his original cap. He gets this possessed cap, which is called Cappy. And basically the hook of the game is that any enemies or even NPCs that aren't wearing a hat, you can throw your hat at them and you basically possess that person or enemy. So it really opens up the game and how you can accomplish goals and tasks in the game by possessing these enemies and then using their special abilities to basically advance in the level. And I think that's the real that's the real cornerstone of the game besides just the solid platforming and exploration that they've done so well in their past games is now they've added an extra wrinkle where you're going to be possessing possessing the enemies and then some of those enemies have unique abilities. Basically every enemy has unique abilities, even the Goombas because essentially all they can do is walk around and jump, but if there's other Goombas, you can jump on top of them and they start stacking on top of each other. And basically it can allow you to get to higher ledges you couldn't jump to. Um, there's missions where you have to get all those Goombas to go to a female Goomba and they kind of fall in love and you get a moon power that way. Um, there's so many little secrets and nuances to this Mario game like there are with all their big Mario games that you know people are still figuring out the best way to do things, figuring out all the little ins and outs. Um, but... But I think the the broad scope is that it's just a super enjoyable game to play. It is fun controlling Mario. It's fun learning how to manipulate him so you can get him to run really fast when you need to. I think it's very easy to have a rudimentary but a mastery of the uh, of the move set that he has, which is fairly limited. He there's really only three buttons in the game, but they do a lot with those different buttons depending on in the position that you're in, whether you're in the air, whether you're crouched down. Those buttons will do different things. Um, you have different jumps where you're doing backflips, you're doing the triple jump, you can do the crouch long jump. Um, he now can roll. He has a lot of abilities, and once you kind of get your head wrapped around those and you start to feel comfortable pulling off long jumps at an instance mom uh, at a moment's instance, um, the game is just super enjoyable. It's just crammed with charm, love, and care. Um, and there's constant new surprises. There's a lot of, I mean, so far, all the worlds I've been to, I've seen in trailers, but I think there's a lot of worlds that they haven't shown in commercials. So, I mean, really, it's a top-tier game. And I got a question, you, Marcus. Yeah. Is uh, is it, can you only play as Mario? Uh, well, I mean, technically, you possess the other enemies, so you play as them for a bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, essentially, you do only play as Mario um, with Cap. You can actually play two-people co-op. Um, I think the other... Second player just controls the cap because when you throw the cap out, it has different abilities where you can kind of swoop around, you can home in, you can have different kind of throwing arcs. Um, so I think you can play, but yeah, you're basically, there is no Luigi, even though if you do have a Luigi amiibo, you can uh, use that amiibo and get him to dress up like Luigi or Waluigi, Dr. Mario, what's Waluigi, there's a bunch of dumb costumes with those amiibos if you have any. I have Dr. Mario, so I lucked out and I can wear a little doctor's coat. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Is like Every time I go to the world... Oh, Mark, Mark, Mark. What's yeah. an Amiibo? An Amiibo is the little Nintendo action figures. They introduced them with the Wii U. They're little uh, action figures that for Smash Brothers, you could basically click them on the device, and it, it gives you new unlocks for certain games. Like in this game, all the Mario-related ones will do something. Um, and then in other games, like in uh, the uh, Breath of the Wild, they had special Link ones, which would give you special costumes. Um, if you had other amiibos, it would just give you random crap. Um, but it's just—it's basically Nintendo's toy to life uh, stab at the market. Which at this point, all the other toy to life um, games have all failed. At this point, they've all shut down. Whether it was uh, Disney's Infinity, and most recently, Lego had their Lego Dimensions, and they just shut down shop. And amiibos, kind of the only one that's still ticking. To be honest, Mike, um, I have a good amount of amiibos, but they're mostly just because they look really fucking cool. Um, and they're just kind of something to put on the shelf. But uh, yeah, what I was just going to say with Mario, really, the, the cap end of it is just that 
it's a top tier Nintendo game. And when Nintendo's kind of on top of their shit, they produce some of the best games, hands down, of any generation, really. You can look at all the different implementations of Nintendo, Super Nintendo, N64, GameCube, Wii. On all those consoles, there's at least a couple, if not, you know, three, four, five Nintendo games that are just of the highest quality. And that's what makes this so special is that we're only a year in to the new uh, Switch console. And we have two marquee top tier games in Zelda and Mario um, and there's just there's something about those games. I mean, I I kind of equate Nintendo to Disney a lot because they have that kind of magic nostalgia pull for me, and they do it a lot in Mario, um, especially when you get to New Donk City, which kind of plays heavily in the um, the origins of Mario, Jumpman, and Donkey Kong. Um, it's just it's really cool that they, you can just tell that they they treated this game with a lot of care and respect, um, and it paid off. Uh, review scores are, you know, I think right now it's at like a 97 from Metacritic, which is somewhat insane, um, especially in this day and age where very few games crack 90 anymore. So, yeah, I mean, if you were kind of waiting to get a Switch, um, it's a tough sell just with uh, Zelda before, because that was really what you were buying it for. It's like Zelda was the game to play. Um, but now you have at least two with Zelda and Mario. If you didn't have a Wii U, you have three with Mario Kart. And then some of their other, you know, newer IPs like ARMS and Splat, uh, Splatoon 2 are pretty good games in and of their own rights. There's also the uh, Rabbids and Mario game, which kind of plays like XCOM. So Nintendo's just really kicking on all gears. And yeah, Mario Odyssey is just a fantastic game, hands down. Um, if you've enjoyed any of the 3D platforming Mario games from the past, you'll have a blast with Odyssey for sure. All right. Um, Stefan, you got anything? Um, nothing different in terms of Mario specifically. Um, yeah, I haven't had a chance to super get into it. Um, another Switch game I wasn't interested in at first, but I've been watching a lot of stuff, and um, I think I'm about to pick it up is uh, Fire Emblem Heroes or uh, Warriors. Sorry, because um, I was a little turned off that I heard it was like kind of a Dynasty Warrior thing, and it is. It's a bit of a hack and slash beat 'em up, but um, I was looking more into it, and it seems to have more of a team dynamic. Because um, if you've ever played Fire em Emblem, they're based on, like, there's a triangle. Basically, it's a rock, paper, scissors system of this beats this, this beats that, etc. So uh, I was reading more. They go into a dynamic of that to make it a little more interesting. Because on top of it, I also downloaded that app, Fire Emblem Heroes, which is um, you know, it's one of those, if you like Fire Emblem, because it honestly is that. You know, it's got that uh, kind of freemium game quality of, where you have to get orbs, and then there's a bit of a gacha thing where, you know, you have to roll the dice on the orbs to try to get a good character. You get a five-star, a four-star, or a shit. They do loot boxes. Three -star. They're just yeah, loot boxes, right? You, you don't know what character you're going to get, you know. You, you're hoping you get a good one. But uh, if you've played multiple Fire Emblem games, it's the heroes from all the various generations. So whether you've been there from the beginning or if you only played the last couple, I really love it. I've always found them super, super addicting. So uh, why wouldn't this uh, mobile game be any different? Because um, I have an iPad now. I'm kind of enjoying like this new world of games. It's, it's a little different than playing it on your phone, even though you could. Because it feels more like you're playing a real game when it's on a tablet as opposed to your like little cell phone screen. But um, I've been enjoying the hell out of that way more than I should. But uh, yeah, um, so I, and I was going to say, um, I guess we'll get into it later. I'm only three episodes into Stranger Things. I like it, but I will say I think it so far, I think it's a step back from the first season. Um, you know, it, and it's just it's easier to do an origin story world building than to keep the train moving, I guess. 
But uh, not that it's bad in any way, but um, once everyone else sees it, I'm sure we can dive in more in depth on it. Yeah, everybody, please, if you will, I mean, we're going to spoil the shit out of this next week. All right, that's what's going to happen. Spoil the shit out of it. So if you're going to, like, enjoy the last 20 minutes of the podcast next week, it's going to be that. Um, Mike, what do you got, brother? Uh, I finished watching all the Stranger Things. I won't spoil anything. I'll say I truly enjoyed it. Um, I don't know if I enjoyed it as much as the first season, but I guess probably by that actual sentence, I probably didn't. Um, I mean, I think the fact that it's comparable is a good sign given how much we love the first season. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, So the thing I like for this week, uh, last week you guys made a joke that uh, I was going to say I like Riverdale because I like all the CW shows. (laughs) Oh, please, God. Thank you. (laughs) So because of that, I decided to give the show a chance on Netflix. And I'm about six, seven episodes in. It's pretty good. Oh, here we go. Yeah, thank you. We're seven episodes in. <laughs> and Mark for, or Mike forgot to say he started it this morning. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I started it like when we finished the uh, the lost episode last week. And I stayed up maybe until like one or two that day. And, you know, then I watched like maybe two or three episodes the rest of the week. You know, to be clear, you you were falling asleep during that episode, then you stayed awake for another like two hours after that. You and, know what makes that uh, lost episode not lost, Mike? If you uh, if you donate us money on our uh, what's it called? I'm already blanking. Patri- on Patreon. Our, our Patreon page. We don't have because uh, if you donated money and got it, you would want your money back so fast. You'd be so mad that you put even a dollar towards it. What the hell is Patreon? <laughs> oh, while you were gone. People found a new way to ask for money. So you're kind of like if like someone does something like a YouTube channel will have like a Patreon page where you can like subscribe for extra content and based on what you give. It's, yeah, it's kind of like it's like a combination of like it's like a monthly Kickstarter almost. You pay, you get different shit based on how much you pay. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll say this though, Mike, as someone that is actively reading the Archie comics right now, like. Archie's got it going on. They know how to do fucking storytelling. Like, I read those comics, and I'm emotionally invested. I got – my eyes are watering up. I mean, some of the shit they deal with and they touch upon are like, oh, man, I didn't really think they'd go this far. But they do. I mean, Big Bang was right when they brought on that big jock guy, and he's like, oh, man, I read Archie comics. They're like, Archie? And he's like, man, you don't know. There's a lot of shit going – you don't know. You don't know because there's a lot of shit going on with Archie. <laughs> They brought so me in. They brought me in because they killed off Archie, and I was like, "Oh, I gotta get the death of Archie comic." And then from there on, I was like, "I'm hooked. This shit's good. This is good storytelling right here." So I'm not surprised Riverdale's good because they have a solid source material to work off of. So should I watch Riverdale or should I start re- reading Archie? Which oh, read Archie. I'll give you some Archie comics. Okay. Um. All right. I think that's a that's a wrap for this week. Um. I mentioned watch Stranger Things. We're gonna talk about it next week. Um. This card is huge, man. And unless you specifically got invited to Gary Raquero's birthday party, you should probably watch it. You know, I understand if Mike doesn't watch it because it'll be a good time at, at uh, hanging out with Gary. Um, but it's going to be a big, I mean, this is it, guys. We've had a really bad year. Like the last, you know, the last two cards, you know, we got some title fights, actually. We got some relevant shit going on. So we're going to, it's fun to be able to um, get excited for a big card. Three title fights. And then Jorge Masvidal versus Steven Wonderboy Thompson. The fifth fight could have been me against the plate of nachos. Still probably justify the price of the pay-per-view right there. Um, real quickly, Ryan Bader is going to defend his Bellator title against Linton Vassal, and no one's going to watch. Um, but, I don't know, Phil Davis is on the card against a guy I don't know. So, 
Bellator. That's happening too on Friday. Um, and I wanted to check and see if there was a card next week is what I was trying to do. Because I think there is one every fucking week for the rest of the year. Um, and yeah, Anthony Pettis versus uh, Dustin Poirier. So we're going to have some fun talking about that one. Especially since uh, that card also has Matt Brown, Diego Sanchez on it as well. So Diego fucking Sanchez again. Clay, Clay Guida, Joe Lazon. We've got a bunch of old dudes, man. John Dotson, Marlon Moraes. Ooh, okay, this is Sage Northcutt on the card. We have a lot to talk about. Nina Ansaroff, Angela Hill. This thing's deep. Our boy C- Court McGee. CTE, thy name is Diego. Mike, come back. Just being a dick. Um, all right, uh, we'll talk about that next week and Stranger Things and see what happened this week. And we'll talk about something new, a new topic in Memoirs of a Fight Fan as well. So thank you guys all so much for listening. Welcome back to our boy Mike. We missed him. Um, we went much far into our missing of him last week, but we can't replicate that shit. So M- Mike knows we appreciate him being back. So thank you guys all for listening. And um, peace out. You want to just talk over our theme song? We're just talking over our theme song now. Everybody enjoying this? We're talking over the theme hey, song. Halloween. I'm, not, I'm, I'm not the only one that heard you just cut out. Well, I said peace out, bitch. That's how we end the show. None of us heard that. They got it. Mark stopped talking. Mark's been muted the whole time. He gets it. I was going to say happy Halloween. <laughs> and I was like, I'm waiting for it just like everyone else was. <laughs> I mean, at this point, the theme song's over. We're gone now. Everybody, goodbye. Thank you for listening. <laughs> happy Halloween. Stay safe. Happy Halloween. Peace. Raishu, matane.